Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, we're going to be continuing our series on rediscovering Jesus in the Old Testament, this time on a mountain called Moriah. If you were here last week, then you remember that we were kind of talking about some of the just difficulties that we can have in understanding the Old Testament, how it's been often used to just spiritually abuse people or twisted in ways that are not right or correct. And we were talking about just some ways that possibly we can re-understand it or better understand it. And so one of the things that I was saying was that this is an ancient book. The Old Testament is just an ancient piece of literature. And so a lot of it, we're not necessarily going to be able to just grasp in our English translation of the original text. We really need to be able to just dig into this. And this last semester, I've been taking a class at my church on Sunday nights taught by a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and it's on the Torah. And so basically, we have just been talking about Genesis, Exodus, and then we're going to end up in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And as he's talking, he's a Hebrew professor, Hebrew scholar, brilliant man. And as he's been talking to us, he's just been reminding us over and over again that the Old Testament is just this ancient piece of literature, and we cannot fully grasp it without really digging into the culture, the times, the meaning of the words, and really just taking time to dig. So often I hear people complaining about the Old Testament or just being discouraged by it or frustrated by it, not understanding it, feeling like it just can't possibly be right, and so they just are quick to dismiss it. And like I talked last week, let's not be just so quick to reject things just because we don't get it. Like, it doesn't mean that we're super smart here in the 21st century and we're so smart that all of this stuff just doesn't work anymore. Like, that's not the truth. The truth is it's just so far removed from us that we don't get that culture. And we need to just dig in and figure out what was going on back then that would make this make sense to them. A lot of the stuff that's going on, you know, what, what was happening then that would make this make sense. So we instead of rejecting it, And instead of abusing it, like it's been used in my life and perhaps in your life just to control you and cause you to have fear and stuff like that, let's reframe it. Let's look into the cultural context. Let's look into the actual words and everything else. And let's embrace it. Let's embrace the truth about this history of God and people. Because so much of the Old Testament is this history of God pursuing people. And I I love that, honestly. And so... In this little series here, we're talking about rediscovering Jesus in the Old Testament. And guys, Jesus didn't just show up when he was born of a virgin. Jesus is a member of the Trinity. And the Bible is very clear that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have been around since before time began. And so Jesus is a part of the Trinity, and he's actually a part of the Old Testament. It's super fun to go back and just discover him. There are these occurrences that are often labeled the angel of the Lord that appears to people. And most biblical scholars will agree that that is a theophany, which means an appearance of Jesus Christ before he was actually here on earth. So a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. And there's different times that that's happened in the Old Testament. And there's different clues to let you know that this is the angel of the Lord. This is actually God himself. People will try to worship real, like regular old angels. And they're always like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. We're just an angel. And when the angel of the Lord is talking, people bow down, but they never get corrected. It's totally okay to worship him. And there's other different clues like that that give you an idea that this is somebody different. This isn't just an angel. And so we're going to just discover Jesus. And we're going to go back to a guy named Abraham. 
And I love this story. I've been studying this in my Genesis class at church with my very brilliant professor. And he's just really pointed out some things to me that, wow, if you don't understand this, you miss so much. And one of the first things that I want you to just look up, I don't have time to go into all the details here, but is a Caesarian vassal treaty. And this was a treaty or a covenant that was very commonplace in the ancient Near East something that was very familiar to people. And it was a treaty or a covenant that was made between two unequal people. So you usually had somebody who was in power, who had more power, and that was a Caesarean. And then you had somebody who had less power, which was the vassal. And if you look at the covenant that God makes with Abraham, it totally follows the lines of the Caesarean vassal treaty. And I would ask you, just go look it up. It's just incredible if you look into the details. All the different parts of a Caesarean vassal treaty that have to be there, and they're all there. They're all there in the covenant and they're continuing to be there throughout the Old Testament. It's just, it's crazy. Wholly reframed the way you think of the Old Testament when you understand this, the Caesarean Vassal Treaty. And so God makes this treaty with Abraham, but first he just calls this guy out, this random guy. He just calls him out from his family, from his town. He calls him and they have this, they begin this relationship and God makes promises to him and years go by. God promises them you're going to have land, you're going to have a seed, a descendant, and you're going to have blessing. And all these stories that take place in Genesis 12 to 24 with Abraham, it's very interesting because in each one, if you look at the climax of the story, it's always surrounding some kind of a threat to this promise that God has made him. Either a threat to the seed, a threat to the blessing, or a threat to the land. And somehow God always comes through. And he always fixes it. And then he goes ahead and reiterates the promise to Abraham. But 25 years go by in between when Abraham is promised a child and when God actually gives him this child, Isaac, 25 years. And in the beginning of Abraham's relationship with God, he's not super trusting. You know, God is new to him and he is just trying to figure this out. And so there's things that happen over and over again, where Abraham is just he's kind of scared, he's doubtful. But as the relationship progresses, you just see Abraham becoming a man of faith. And we read about him in the New Testament, in Hebrews, in James, in Romans. He's always listed as this man of faith because he becomes this man of faith as he has this relationship with God, which is totally apart from anything that he does. It's totally apart from the law. It's just God reaching out to this man. And I, Love that because right there in the very beginning, it's not that God's saying you have to do this stuff to come to me. He's saying, I'm coming to you and I'm going to make this agreement with you and we're going to have this relationship. And that's just incredible. And through Abraham is this promised seed eventually coming, which is the Savior, the Messiah, through Abraham's child. But he doesn't even have one in the beginning. 25 years go by before he finally ends up having this child that God has promised, which is a miracle child because his wife is like, menopausal. She can't even have babies anymore, but yet God goes ahead and blesses her and gives her a baby. Super interesting. If you want to follow another theme for the Bible, it'll be barren women having children. Very interesting theme. But a few years go by, they think maybe around 15 after Isaac is born and something happens. God asks Abraham to take him up to the mountain called Moriah and sacrifice him. And this is a concept that is just really hard for those of us here in the 21st century to understand. Like human sacrifice is so far removed from us. So we're like, how in the world could God ask this? This is ridiculous. Who is this God who would want this to happen? Like we just get sidetracked culturally because we don't understand. 
But if you look back at the ancient Near East time frame where Abraham lived, it was actually pretty common. Like we can read other ancient books of literature and see that people sacrifice themselves to the gods to get results often. And so it wasn't something that Abraham was completely unfamiliar with. It's a little weird that God's asking him to do it to the son that he promised him and gave him. But it's not totally out of this, like, it's not crazy like we would think it is today. And so, in fact, it was actually an honor to offer yourself as a sacrifice to the gods. So just a different way of looking at things, just culturally, you know, side note, our culture is not right because it's ours. And other people's culture isn't wrong because it's theirs. Things are different. It's okay to be different. So right and wrong are sometimes mixed up in what we think is right, what we think is wrong. Think about that one. Anyway, so God calls Abraham up onto this mountain, Mount Moriah, and tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. And Abraham, at this point, has such a relationship with God that he goes ahead and does it. He doesn't doubt God. Later in the New Testament, it says that Abraham believed God to the point where he, he thought God was going to raise his son, if if need be. Like, if God, if God had him kill his son, then God was going to bring him back to life, because he knew that God had promised, and he was going to do it. He had that kind of a relationship with God at this point. And so Abraham and Isaac start out on this journey, and they have the wood for the fire, they have the knife to sacrifice, and they don't actually have the sacrifice. And Isaac notices this at some point in time. He asks his dad about it. And Abraham tells him that God is going to provide the sacrifice. And so if you're familiar with the story, you'll know they go up to the mountain. Abraham makes an altar. He puts the wood on the altar. And then he binds his son and he lays him on the altar as so he is going to be the sacrifice. And as he raises his hand to kill his only son, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, you guys, calls to Abraham and says, don't, don't do it. And instead he provides a sheep, a ram, and Abraham sacrifices that ram in the place of his son. Okay, guys, this is where it gets so awesome. So awesome. Fast forward, fast forward to David. David actually purchases this piece of land at Mount Moriah, and he offers a sacrifice there. And later, Solomon builds his temple there. And the city of Jerusalem is built around Mount Moriah. And one day, thousands of years after Abraham almost sacrifices Isaac, the Son of God is sacrificed on Mount Moriah for the sins of the world. How cool is that? So once again, the angel of the Lord is there on this place offering a substitute sacrifice so that Abraham does not have to give up his one and only son, knowing that in the future, God's one and only son will be sacrificed for the sins of the world in this same place. And that as he sacrificed outside the city on the cross, dying, the curtain in the temple there on Mount Moriah will be torn in two from top to bottom, providing a way for us to know God. It's amazing. I want to read you a couple of verses from Romans 4. And this is verses 20 through 20. Oh, I don't know. We'll see how far I go. Okay, starting in verse 20. No unbelief made him waver, this is Abraham, concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And this is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised 
for our justification. It is not an accident that God called Abraham and asked him to sacrifice his only son on the very mountain where God would sacrifice his only son, where God would sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. It is not an accident. It is beautiful and beautiful. Oh, it's just amazing to me. I love it. And this is the kind of stuff that we miss when we're just reading the Bible and just seeing it in our English version and we're just looking at it through our own cultural lenses. We miss the beauty of it. We miss the way God foreshadowed the things that he was going to do. We miss the way it was always about faith, that it's never been about works. It's never been about us doing something to make God happy with us, to somehow get something from God. It's always been about God doing everything, and we just believe. We have faith in God and his promises, and we trust that he will make a way, that he did make a way. And so, obviously, our faith is going to be acted out in works, because if you just say, oh yeah, I believe, and you don't do anything about it, we're starting to wonder if you really believe. So yeah, things things happen once we believe in God. We're showing him, yes, absolutely, I believe. It's a whole different side note. But I just want to encourage you guys. There's a couple different resources that I found recently that have just hugely helped me in my own Bible study. One of them is the Net Bible. And you can find this on Bible.org or NetBible.org. And this is just an amazing free resource that's out there. There are so many study things available on this one website. You could just spend hours. And the Net Bible translation is a more, it's a more, new, I guess it's newer, I guess you would say. And actually my very brilliant Hebrew professor helped with some of the translation. And it's, so it's a newer translation, but just done by just beautiful scholars. And I, I love it. It's really fun to see. There's tons of different ways to just click on things and go right to Strong's Concordance or Lexicons to go to Bible dictionaries. It's just really easy and it's free, totally accessible. The other thing I really like is Blue Letter Bible, also really helpful. Also wonderful. So there's really, guys, we live in a time frame when there is no excuse for us not really digging into finding out what things are all about. There's no reason for us to just read the Bible in our English translation and then just react to it and shut it. Like if we have a problem with it, look it up. There's so, it's so accessible to us these days. It's so accessible. And so I would just encourage you, once again, as we're thinking about the Bible, if you're reacting to the Bible, to the Old Testament, to the God of the Bible, I would ask you again, as I asked before, are you really reacting to the real Bible and the real God of the Bible? Or are you reacting to things people have told you about it? Are you reacting to somebody else's opinion? Or are you reacting to what you've read for yourself? Because the more I've gotten into the Old Testament for myself, the more I've discovered that the things that I was taught, things that people said about it, it's just not there. It's not true. It's not there. And that the God of the Old Testament He's Jesus. They're one and the same. And yes, there's different parts of God that have been revealed to us along the way, but he's always been a God of grace and mercy and love who pursues people, who wants a relationship with people, and who makes a way for that to happen. It's never been about him trying to get us, trying to be angry with us, trying to get us to do stuff for him. Never. It's never been like that. And so I would encourage you, get in there for yourself. Seek, search, and don't give up. And we're going to do this one more time next week. One more little revelation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And until then, you guys, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.